Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Holy Father God, you are good. You're a good, good Father. Teach us to love you. Teach us to remember you. Teach us to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, as many of you know, um, I used to be a teacher. And um, a long time ago when I was a student teacher, I had this one class that just killed me. I, I, I just could not, there, it, was, it was just one, but there was this one class I just could not control. It was the dynamics and it was um, it was a class of uh, struggling readers, and so they, like it was a really they were a really low level reading class, and um, I di- I just couldn't control it, uh, and this once this girl was behaving so badly that I ha- I told her to leave and go to the office, and um, so she left my my classroom and I called the office to let them know hey she's on her way, and um, she didn't go to the office, she just skipped school, and uh, so they called me back you know. At later, and they're like, um, she never showed up. And so, you know, of course, they called her mother, and then her mother was super angry at me <laughs> um, for for not like escorting her to the office or having security come and take her to the office. And it was it was a mess. And and the whole classroom was like that, just those intense dynamics. Um, and and that wasn't even the worst behaved student in the class. Um, but for some reason. You know, whenever you're a student teacher, right, you, every once in a while you'd get an evaluator that'd come and they'd, like, grade you. And, uh, and, that, and that student teacher evaluator, she'd always show up to that class to watch. And uh, the second time she observed me, she told me, she said, I'm going to give you some advice, Chris. Remember, you're the teacher. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had to remember, I was the grown-up there. I was the grown-up there, and the classroom was chaos, and I was not acting with the authority and role of my position. Um, I was not acting like who I was, and so my classroom was in shambles. And so after that meeting, I worked on that. I would remind myself, you know, before class, I'm like, all right, Chris, you're the teacher. You're the teacher. (laughs) Um, You're the grown-up. And it affected almost everything I did in that class, right? Um, it started to affect like how I carried myself in the classroom, and how I stood, and how I talk, and how I how I instructed. I mean, and and the class was still a mess, right? It, it didn't get much better, but it did get better. And um, even more importantly than it getting better, I got better. I got better at managing that around me. Uh, when we're unsure of who we are. The result is almost always chaos and disorder. It almost always becomes a mess. Now, we are in the middle of a series looking at First Peter, a, a letter that Peter wrote to be circulated amongst the uh, early churches. And he wrote uh, this letter because he wanted to remind people of who they were called to be in Christ. He wanted them to remember that to be a disciple of Jesus was to be like Jesus. Now, as a part of this series, we were reading aloud 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. 
Um, this section of the letter was designed for churches to read or sing aloud as part of a worship. It's a doxology, um, like the doxology we sang. And so, as we go through this letter, we're going to be reading uh, verses 3, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, aloud together, every Sunday. So, if you're able to, um, please stand, and let's read this aloud. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 5, and we'll be reading from the NIV uh, because that's what most of you use. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Into his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You may be seated. Um, so, we're now at chapter 2 of this letter. Um, and we're going to go through the next 10 verses. So, chapter 2. Uh, 1 through 10. And as we read this uh, section of scriptures, there's three things I kind of want you to keep in the back of your mind to, to kind of listen for. As you read, think about what is the scripture saying about who you are? Okay, what's it saying about who you are? And the next thing I want you to think about is what is this passage saying about who Jesus is? And finally, uh, think about how we the body of people that follow Christ, who we are. So these are the questions again. Who I am, who Jesus is, and who we are. So with all that in mind, I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-10. through 10. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, evil, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of, praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, uh, the first thing we're going to look at is who I am, who you are. Uh, the, the, the first 
word in that, that passage that we read was therefore. And last week we looked at Jesus as the ultimate source of fulfill, the ultimate source and fulfillment of our hope. And Jesus as the source of our holy men. So this therefore is because of all that. Because of Jesus, we need to get rid of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Get rid of all those things because that's not who you are. That does not reflect your identity. Um, too often, we don't know who we are. We don't realize who we are. Uh, like when I was a student teacher, I needed to be reminded. Right? Somebody had to tell me that I had a new identity. I've always been a student before. Right? I was always a student in the classroom. But now I had a new role, a new position. And so I had to be encouraged to live into that role. Uh, despite my initial uncomfortableness, right? I was uncomfortable with that role, but I had to be taught. I had to be told, hey, this is who you are. Act like it. Act like it. So Peter, he's reminding us, we have a new identity. We have a new identity that is based on Jesus. We have a new role in this world, right? We have a new role in this world based on Jesus' life and his teachings. We have a new citizenship. We have all of this. Because in Christ, we are made new. If you follow Christ, you are made a new creation. If you surrender yourself to Jesus' saving grace, you have been born again, right? You have a new life, a new life in Christ. And so we're called to live into this life. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Or, or John says it like this in his uh, letter, 1 John uh, verses one, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Repentance means transformation. If there's no change in behavior and attitudes in life, then the repentance doesn't mean anything. It's hollow. Now, that's not to say that you necessarily become perfect and sinless, right? John also writes in 1 John 2, uh, verses 1 through 12, or 1 to 2, My dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Right? So, we're called to be a new creation, to live into that new creationness. Now, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect in it. We're still going to mess up. But we repent and we try again because repentance is continual. It's continual. We have to have a repentant heart. And as repentance is continual, so is Christ's forgiveness. Christ forgives continually. He's always at work redeeming. And we're called to live into that. We have to nurture that. We have to feed it. We have to grow into that new identity. Like a baby grows into adulthood. We grow more and more into our salvation. More and more into Christ's likeness. That is who you are. Don't forget. Don't forget who you are. You are daughters and sons of God, chosen from before the beginning of time to be with God, to know God, and to worship God, and to serve God, and to be loved by God, and to be heralds of the coming of the kingdom of God. That is who you are. That is who you are. And that is all made possible because of Jesus. Jesus, the chief cornerstone, 
the living stone, which all who follow him are modeled after. Uh, Jesus is the foundation and model of our likeness. And if, if you want to know to what you're being discipled into, if you want to know what a Christian's supposed to look like as they mature, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be growing into. Uh, Jesus is described as a living stone. A living stone. Not a dead monument or statue or principle. A living stone. Sure, of course he's the model. Yes, of course he's the principle. He's the foundation. But he's not a stagnant one. He's not dead. He's, he's alive. He's the living stone. And he is life-giving. He is active. He gives us life so that we too can be made into living stones with him. And, and Peter puts a lot of images in the Hebrew scriptures here, right? He references Psalm uh, 118, 22, uh, the, built, the stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and Isaiah 14, or 8, 14, 15, God will become a sanctuary. He will be a stone to trip over and a rock to stumble upon for two houses of Israel, a trap and a snare for those living in Jerusalem. Many of them will stumble and fall and be broken and snared and captured. Uh, Peter combines all these images, um, because Jesus, he was rejected, right? He was rejected when he was alive. Um, he was rejected by his people. He was rejected by the world, and the world killed him. He was crucified. But he rose again. Death was not the last word. Resurrection was, right? Death was not the last word. Resurrection's the last word, right? Healing's the last word. Rec restoration's the last word. Restoration is the last word. Reconciliation is the last word. And Jesus is the living stone. And, and either we find life in him, or we don't. Or we don't find life. Life is only found in Christ. And so we need to accept his love. Accept his healing. Accept the second or third or fourth or whatever number chance you're on. We need to accept it. Because in Christ there's always a new beginning. In Christ, death is defeated, and life is found. Um, Isaiah 28, verses 16 and 17 say, Therefore the Lord God says, Look, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a valuable cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who trusts won't tremble. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. But hail will sweep away the hiding place of lies, and water will overflow the shelter. So live, right? Live into, the, live into his kingdom. Live into his life. Because there in his life you'll find justice. And there in his life you'll find righteousness. And there in his life you'll find wholeness and stability. Only in Christ. Right? The living stone, the solid rock in which we stand. Right? Because all other ground sinking sand. And the... Uh, the third thing I, I asked you to look for is to, to find out who we are together. Together, we are a chosen race. And we're a race not based on our skin color or geographical region. We're not based upon our languages or customs or ethnicity. But chosen out of God's love and grace. Chosen for a purpose. Chosen to bear God's image throughout creation. Chosen to be his royal priesthood. And, and we don't often look at the, the meaning of the word priest. A priest isn't necessarily a, a preacher or a pastor. A priest is someone who, who listens to God and tells the people what God says. And then 
The person also goes before God and tells God what the people needs. Right? He's a mediator. That's what it means to be a priest. The me- a mediator between the people and God. But Christ has come. And he's the perfect high priest that ultimately reconciles humanity with God through the removal of sin. And so we can be with God. We can directly interact with God. And, and Jesus has made it so we can all act as priests. So that we're all priests. So that we're all chosen to be able to enter into his presence. So that we can know God. And we can bring our prayers and praises and petitions directly to God. And we can bring God's love and grace and authority and power to creation as priests. Because we were made into a royal priesthood. Uh, and then the, the book of Hebrews is all about this. Um, just one of Pastor Christie's favorite books. I remember her, she said it. Um, but, but this is, so I, I really had a hard time picking it first. So I'm going to read verses 10, 19 through 25 from Hebrews. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most high place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us throughout the curtain that is his body. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance of faith that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Gosh, wouldn't you like to be set free from a guilty conscience? And having our bodies washed pure with water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day approaching. Through Christ, we can draw near to God. We can draw near to God. But even more so, we have a duty to act as the priests, right? We act as priests to one another. We act as priests to creation, right? We're called to spur one another on. And that means to encourage, to correct, and to help one another live into our roles. To remind you, like, hey, this is who you are. Through our love and good deeds. And we're a holy nation. A nation, uh, right? right? Uh, a part of the kingdom of God. That is the reconciliation of earth and heaven. And we went over this last week. But, but holy means dedicated to. Right? Set aside for a purpose. And together, we are a nation that is set aside for God. We represent the coming of the fullness of his kingdoms. And we used to be a bunch of uh, just different people. Okay? But now, we're brought together. We're all brought together to become one people. And we're being made into one people. Awkwardly. Right? So, in conflict sometimes. Uncomfortably. We're being made into one people, God's people. Once we're lost, but now we're found. Once we had no hope, but now we have hope. Once we did not know the mercy of God, but now we live in Christ's mercy and grace. And we were made. We were made all of this so we can proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness. We are the evidence of the goodness of God. You are the evidence of the goodness of God. Uh, the church, the temple that Christ is building out of living stones is the evidence of the love of God. I gotta say, ouch, huh? Because we do such a poor job of it. Uh, last week was the Super Bowl. Um, you know, the highest watched event of the year and, and, and a lot of people watched because of the commercials. Um, 
and, and some of the commercials this year was uh, the, the He Gets Us campaign. Uh, if you guys don't know, the He Gets Us campaign is an advertising campaign to reintroduce people to Jesus, Jesus to people. And it's, it's well-funded. Over $100 million was put into the campaign. And the commercials are great. Like, they're really good. Um, I don't have anything negative to say about them. That's not how I would have chosen to spend my money. But it's not my money. I, I like the commercials. Except, I, I don't think the problem is Jesus. Most people actually really like Jesus. I don't think we need to convince people that Je Jesus... We don't need to convince people of the goodness of Jesus. It's Christians they don't like. And we do a very bad job of sharing what God has done for us. We do a very bad job of living in his goodness, of proclaiming his goodness. But we are God's advertisement, right? Not TV ads, no matter how great they are. Those can't substitute us. Our lives, our churches, our ministries, our prayers, our services. We are God's advertisement. When people see us, they should see what God has done. The mighty acts of love that God has left in our lives. We are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that we may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Do people see that? Do we, set, do we show that? If not, then we need to repent. Because we're not living into the life that God has called us into. We're not being who we are meant to be. But the good news is, as long as we have breath, we can repent. Right? We can always reorient and renew our lives into the purpose for which God has called us. We can repent and live into the justice and righteousness and goodness and grace and kindness and forgiveness and love of Christ. We get to do that. So, um, I would like, I would ask, if you're so moved, um, nobody forces repentance on anybody, or nobody should force repentance on anybody. It's not really real. It's kind of like whenever you tell your kids to tell the other sibling that they're sorry, and you can tell they're not really sorry, right? <laughs> but, um, so, if you're so moved, um, please join me in confession. And so I have, a uh, have the words of confession here. Now, in our lives, you don't have to remember any special words, but these are some traditional words that we get to use um, together corporately, right? Because whenever we say these things together, we get knit together, we're healed together, we remember it. So um, I ask you to join me in confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. We are faithful. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us all our sins. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Church, um, God's not done with you yet. You still have a purpose. You still have a purpose. You still declare God's goodness. You still declare the mighty acts of love that God has done. You are God's advertisement. Remember, don't forget. Don't forget who you are, who you're called to be. Let's continue on in worship.